what we make of it. Shotgun wedding. Sometimes a first date requires paperwork. A Good Omens fic, written by Charlotte Madison and read by Literarian. Chapter 7 Tracy huddled close to stay under the umbrella, and Tazi Raphael leaned in harder into the wind. They didn't usually walk over together, but the November weather was so miserable she had threatened to skip trivia entirely if he didn't drag her out, and she was their pop culture expert. So he'd offered to buy her dinner, and she'd put on her wellies. They ducked shivering into the cramped ramen bar. Tracy stamped her feet and shook out her poncho as Raphael wrestled the umbrella into submission. The windows were fogging up. Good grave, but I'm a hell of a mess by now. Tracy was of old Boston stock, accent and all. Her makeup was melting a bit. But then it usually was. It had become an endearing hallmark of hers over the years. Smells divine, though, doesn't it? said Aziraphale, hoping he sounded more encouraging than he felt, dripping and freezing. You're awfully kind to brave it for my sake. I did it for the ramen, babe. You can see any day. She plopped down at the table nearest to the heater and waved him over. They had lived together for twelve years. Rent in Boston was unaffordable on a single teacher's salary. Buying was an impossible dream. For the time being, he couldn't ask for a better housemate situation than he'd lucked into with Tracy. She kept an occult and specialty bookstore at street level with a discreet backroom for tarot readings and whatnot, emphasis on the discreet whatnot, and Raphael rented a room in her apartment upstairs. Tracy was getting on in years, so he kept an eye on her and helped her with chores and minor repairs around the creaky old building. For her part, she kept the rent low and let him store far more books in the house than his purported one-bedroom would allow. They'd come to fit neatly into one another's lives. She fluffed her thinning platinum hair and brushed raindrops away. You think the kid's coming again tonight? Newton, I haven't heard, one way or the other. I think Anna likes him. Do you like him? asked Aziraphale. Oh, you know me, dearie. I like everyone. I just want to know if it's in the cards for them. Do you like him? Aziraphale hummed thoughtfully as he flipped the menu. Hmm, if anyone is to court anathema, it ought to be with a certain humility. Some fear and trembling. He seems to have the right idea. Is it a problem that they're co-workers? If, uh, if it should turn into anything serious, there'll be a bit of paperwork with the district, I imagine. 
but nothing overly complicated. Just a disclosure. And how about you? Tracy tossed her menu at him. He squared it neatly with his own and wondered what to say. Nothing came to mind, so nothing was what he said. Tracy put a hand on his. Ah, sad, what about you? You been acting funny, babe. You good? He smiled at her and prayed it was a reassuring smile. I'm in absolutely tip-top shape, my dear. I hope I haven't upset you somehow. You should let me do a raiden for you again soon. How have I been acting? Funny. I don't feel funny. She worked off her leather gloves and smacked them firmly on the table. You got some weird kind of aura these days. Fussy. Madam, I was born fussy. And you come home late on Fridays after trivia. You sure you didn't meet anybody? Meet anybody? Now he held her gaze. She knew this was a tricky subject for him. Who would I have met? That's not a no, she observed. You know, I'm a confirmed spinster, he said in a low voice, smiling pleasantly. It hurt. She studied him through clumping mascara. A sparring spinster. We can't all be this glorious. He took a breath and returned to the menu, returned to his body, returned his voice to the usual light-hearted register. I promise I'm not going anywhere. The someone I've met is unavailable to me. We are unavailable to each other, rather, for a number of reasons, so it's nothing but a bit of pleasant conversation over cards. Really nothing. Hmm. Tracy stroked one of the many amulets she wore. Would you share a starter? he asked. Oh yes, dear, I am famished. Get us some dumplings, would you? And I'll have the number three with an egg. The text came late on a Saturday morning. 10.40am Thought of you. IMG2051.jpg Aziraphale was reading with Coco in his preferred armchair as rain pounded the windows. The book was instantly forgotten. With apologies to Zadie. What on earth had Crowley sent him a photo of? He'd never had a reason to upgrade his plastic flip phone. The ancient thing was as stubborn and faithful as he was, and he frankly enjoyed tormenting his students and colleagues by painstakingly punctuating complete sentences in T9. It annoyed Gabriel, too, since it got him out of interacting with the more apophyte aspects of school bureaucracy. 
the Nokia fossil was a thing of beauty and a joy forever. And yet... He stood up and reached for his raincoat. The cocoa sat abandoned on the end table. As he returned home hours later, half-soaked despite precautions, he cursed the AT&T store and the inventory it contained as creations of the cruelest lords of hell. What a complete nightmare that had been. But once he changed into something warm and dry, heated a new round of cocoa and resettled in his chair, the prize was well worth it. He created a new contact for Crowley, clumsy with the touchscreen but marvelling at its capabilities. He sent his first message. Today, 1.58pm. That photo didn't come through for some reason. Can you send it one more time? Or shall we play 20 questions? You punctuate way too hard, Professor. And then it arrived, colourful and clear and backlit. The photo was shot in a bookstore. Cantered in the frame was a brightly coloured children's book on display. Leave me alone, with a silver Caldecott medallion on its cover. Today, 2.01pm. You were right. Instant classic. Took it home to bludgeon Adam with when he gets overexcited. So happy I was able to recommend a winner. I cannot, however, condone the abuse of books. Have you perhaps tried a rolled-up newspaper? What's a newspaper, Angel? I'll take that six, thank you very much. Crowley discarded and wrapped a knuckle on the table. So, you think they left together, left together, or just left together? No idea, Aziraphale answered, drawing from the deck. And I'm happy enough not to wonder too vividly about the matter. They are my colleagues after all. Oh, I'll wonder. I'll wonder what magic words he said that got her looking back at him like that. You saw? Came early to catch the view. I love a bit of trivia team drama, turns out. From a distance. Shadrach looked worked up tonight. It's Shadwell. Good lord, I have three pair and no way to know which will play out. Take a chance once in a while. You wear white. You're no stranger to risk. I'm still mystified that they're old enough to date, let alone old enough to drink and teach high school. Whoever allowed that to happen? They keep getting younger. Crowley huffed. <laughs> Must be weird, seeing your students go out in the world acting like adults and getting real jobs. Aziraphale bit his lip and studied his cards. I remember the first time I met a former student in a pub like this, my fourth year teaching. I had him in a senior lit class and I was shocked to see him with alcohol in hand. He'd already served a tour in Afghanistan. 
We had a long talk. He drew, thought a while, discarded. Of course, it took a bit more for me to realise his whole class could legally drink. Some nights later, I was at a wine bar and another former student of mine was serving and they hit on me. Didn't recognise me with the beard. You with the beard? snorted Crowley, a gleeful grin dawning. Would I wouldn't pay to see that. Were they horrified when they realised it was their teacher? Well, quite. But that was a long time ago now, and I doubt it will happen again. Aziraphale discarded and set down his hand, looking rueful. I'm beginning to see the children of my old students in class these last few years, and it's... Well, one would think it would get familiar how time passes, but, you know. Crowley cocked his head and twisted up his mouth. You could definitely still pull off a beard. Need a fake ring of your own if you did, though. Blue eyes flashed up at him, crinkled painfully at the edges. Don't mock me, Anthony J. Crowley. I'm not, protested Crowley, thumping the table with a fist. I swear I'm not. You're a right... What is it they say now? Lunch? Starter, snack, snack, that's the one. Very funny. <sniffs> Crowley growled and drew a card with unnecessary violence, and Aziraphale thought that might be the first time he'd heard that onomatopoeia pronounced so literally. Well, if you're trying to get me to shower your gorgeous golden ass with compliments by insulting yourself... Not only is it not going to work, it's going to backfire, because when I do tease, I show no mercy. Jin! He smacked his cards down on the table triumphantly. There would be three sixes. Aziraphale folded his cards and winced. You're too kind. And too flattering by half to be believable, I'm afraid though I do appreciate the effort. He began gathering the cards to shuffle again. Crowley shot out a thumb and trapped the deck on the table. Aziraphale pulled away sharply, as if singed. When Crowley spoke, his voice was low and smoky, with protective fury. Let me be clear. You're divinely beautiful as far as I'm concerned, he hissed. Irre-fucking-zistable, especially that goddamn glowing smile. Makes my life bloody impossible. If you're getting older, welcome to humanity, so are we all. But don't you dare insult my lovely friend Aziraphale that way. Not to me. Crowley, Aziraphale pleaded softly. Please don't. You know we can't. You know it. Crowley crossed his arms and slouched into his corner. I know, I know. I won't. 
but you know me and rules. What part of the rules is unclear to you exactly? Crowley turned sideways on the bench and kicked his legs out. Tripping hazard. Can't make me pretend to like him is all. Aziraphale sighed audibly. <sighs> I might face backlash from parents. Adam might get pulled from my class. I might even have to change schools, but you... You could lose everything. It would be ruinous. You know I can't let that happen. You won't. We won't. Nobody has to know. It's not like we're doing anything anyway, just playing cards and pestering each other. Practically strangers. In one smooth motion, he rolled to his feet and swept up their empty glasses. He waggled one tumbler in the air. One more. Aziraphale swallowed hard. I'm all right, thank you. Some water, perhaps. He sat alone with his thoughts, head bowed as Crowley left. It was good, this. So good. It had been good for months, and it kept getting better. But what it wasn't now threatened to eclipse what it was. They had already weathered many painful rounds of no. No to coffee, no to dinner out, no to dinner in, no to a play, no to a quieter bar. Crowley ran the greater risk, but Aziraphale was the more cautious, looking out for both of them. Even so, there had been flirtatious banter, confessional banter, and extremely confessional glances. They weren't idiots. They both understood the subtext of what was going on. It needed to stay subtext was all. But then he had to go and say something like that, right out in the open. The nerve! It had to stop. Perhaps, Aziraphale reflected, he was being punished for his cowardice over the years. Punished for his fear of being seen stepping out with a man by district parents, for his reluctance to give a phone number, his paralysis upon receiving one, for his martyr-like resolution to stay at home with his books. The shape of his love life had been defined by negative space, by a long list of temptations resisted. Or, to be more brutally honest, avoided. It wasn't as if he'd been offered many natural opportunities. But he hadn't made much of what happened along either, and he'd certainly never gone out hunting for his own happiness. As much as being a gay man of a certain age was a story of oppression, marginalization, fear, and fighting against unfair rules, Aziraphale was perhaps guilty of hiding behind the unfairness of the rules to avoid taking any responsibility for his own story. 
and at 48 he couldn't see many chances left to make a change. Then along came this temptation at a dizzying clip, every bit worth the leap, but at an impossible price. To reach for it could destroy Crowley. What a sickening cosmic joke that he should meet this perfect, infuriating, impossible man just now. I had a goatee in the 90s, Crowley announced, slipping back into place like he'd never been gone. Bit of a goth face, eyeliner and unks and amulets, you'd have had a laugh. Never tried a full beard, though, least not on purpose. He slid the water across the table. Lemon wedge, no ice. And raised his wine to toast. Here's to phases. Aziraphale nodded and tried to smile. It was hard. Hey, said Crowley. Under the small table, Aziraphale felt their calves cross. It wasn't suggestive, it was just a touch. There. Grounding. I see you, his friend was saying. I'm with you. Aziraphale closed his eyes and took a deep breath in and out, appreciating the profound consideration in that small gesture. My turn to deal, I think, said Crowley. He began to shuffle and picked up the patter again. Our winter break triple me more than two weeks, turns out. After the stuff in the Bay Area, I'm gonna surprise him with Disneyland. I mean, I guess. Is Disneyland even fun now? Is 14 too old? Who knows? Southern California, anyway. We'll do something enjoyable after all the bloody knobs and needles. Sleep tests again? Yeah, sleep tests, nap tests, blood tests, brain tests, whatever. Still trying for a diagnosis on whatever his unexplained symptoms are. We'll have to invent more staying up all night adventures. He's got to do that twice. Without caffeine. You should see my browser history. Soil rubbish like bowling 3am Palo Alto. Oh, will you be at the Stanford Sleep Clinic? I just read a piece about their work in the Times. Yep. Seattle over Christmas, then that. You should take him to the museums and libraries there. It's quite a campus. I went there for a conference when I was at Harvard. There's a Rodin sculpture garden, if I recall. The Gates of Hell and the Thinker and the Kiss and so on. Adam would love it, even if he's sleep-deprived. Adam bounces back from the stuff. It's me that goes to pieces. Speaking of Rodin, were you heading up that museum field trip in February? Anathema's leading it, but I'll be there. Was thinking of chaperoning, if I can get off work. Aziraphale's heart leapt and then plunged uncontrollably. The Museum of Fine Arts was exactly the kind of place he wished they could go together someday. The thought of being there side by side, 
of watching Crowley gaze up at the sergeant frescoes, his face distracted with wonder and his hair catching all that light free from this tiny bar booth. But they'd have to pretend to be strangers while they were there. His chest constricted. This shouldn't hurt so badly. They'd only met four months ago. They only talked a few hours a week. Crowley was speaking again. Aziraphale shook his head. Pardon, I missed that. Oh, I was asking, do you ever use Signal? Your turn. I'm not sure. If you're not sure, you haven't used it. It's an encrypted messaging app. Like text messages, but private. Crowley was keeping his tone carefully businesslike and his eyes on his cards. Signal is used for people who need to write to each other without leaving a record of their correspondence for any other interested parties. This thought gave Aziraphale a bit of a thrill. He seldom did anything secretive. Playing James Bond, are we? I mean, you can't say it doesn't sound cool. It sounds very cool. Far too cool for the likes of me. You'd be surprised. Bow ties have come back around more than once. You could be cool occasionally, if only in the stopped clock kind of way. Crowley discarded and knocked, then leaned in conspiratorially. All I'm suggesting is, you could give me your phone for 30 seconds and I could set it up for you and then we could communicate while I'm at my wit's end in California, keeping a teenager awake all night. Aziraphale searched for his eyes behind the lenses, wishing he could see what they were saying. How very tempting. And it's... safe? Safe as these things can be, anyway. I suppose you may need encouragement when it's 4am on the West Coast. I need all the help I can get, Angel. Crowley shifted and dug out his phone. It was buzzing with a call. Back in the tick, it's bees. Just gotta check in. He slid out of the booth and made a beeline for the alley exit. Aziraphale pulled out his own phone, the luminous touchscreen still unfamiliar and captivating. He thought he could figure out how to download Signal. He might be a Luddite, but he wasn't altogether useless. And the thought of exchanging secret messages in code with Crowley was exhilarating. Very Bletchley Park. But you remember how that story ends. Be honest with yourself, he thought. This is the thrill of doing something extremely not allowed, and it will not go well. Breaking the rules might be a walk in the park for Crowley, but it was new to Aziraphale, and reviews thus far were mixed.
Adam. Yeah, don't freak out, Crowley. I'm fine. I know you're fine. Bees told me. And because you're so fine, we're all getting ice cream to celebrate and going on a field trip to you nowhere. See you in ten. Can I just go to bed? You did already, bird brain. That's the problem. Too much bed, too fast. We'll be home and done soon. I'm not ten. I don't need a freaking Sunday to make me feel better. I might. Bees does. It's not fair. Crowley rubbed his forehead. Adam sounded so tired. I know. You're completely right. It's not. Let's get this over with and sleep late tomorrow. Text when you're out front. I'll finish up here. Okay? Okay. Ciao. Crowley almost ran straight home, then remembered he'd left someone important waiting in a little dark booth at the pub. The music hit him like a wall as he burst through the back door. This place was too damned loud to keep holding court, their hearing would go before long. He found Aziraphale, but he didn't sit. Aziraphale intuited what this meant and began sweeping up the carts to pack away. What news? Crowley put a hand on the table and leaned in so they could hear one another just close enough to smell Aziraphale's cologne. Afraid I have to sign off. Adam fell asleep and hit his head on the top. Probably nothing serious. He's sensible and working on a good bump, but we have to get him checked out anyway. Bees is bringing him here in a few minutes. Always on call, eh? Aziraphale stood up and realized... Crowley was already holding up his overcoat for him. He slipped into it, blushing a touch. Yeah, well, that's parenting for you. You send them home when you're done. I don't. It must be art, commented Aziraphale. Getting thrown into it for the first time right in the middle, instead of starting at the beginning. Crowley shoved his hands in his pockets and watched Aziraphale wind his scarf. It's not the first time, Angel, and I wasn't thrown into the middle. Aziraphale froze, deer in the headlights, as he often did when he had to recalculate. Crowley sighed and took the ends of his scarf from him, tucked it in, ignoring his wide eyes. Buttoning up his coat, it all came far too easy, the practiced motion of taking care of somebody. Not, not the first time. Aziraphale sounded breathless. Done more of this than you think. We contain multitudes. Come on. Your tab's open. Eric knows I'll be back. Gotta fly. Crowley made for the alley door. Aziraphale usually left through the front door, but this time he followed into the dark. Crowley wasn't even sure why. 
I'm so sorry, my dear. I really... I shouldn't have made uh, assumptions, he stammered as he fumbled with his gloves. Crowley waved the keycard for his own building just a few paces down and held the door. Hallway goes back to the street. It's a quieter way to cut through. Here, Aziraphale hesitated, as if stepping inside would betray them both. As if they weren't already in far too deep. Don't panic, Angel, he sighed. I'm three stories up. You won't even go near my front door. I didn't realize you were this close. Yeah, yeah, I'm close. Clouds of breath mingled between them. Crowley gestured, after you. As the door closed and quiet enveloped them, it dawned on Crowley that they hadn't been alone since that classroom conference day in October. They hadn't even seen one another outside their noisy little booth. The silence between them felt potent, electric, charged like the air before a summer lightning storm. Whatever this feeling was, it had been growing roots unchecked for months. Perhaps they'd better panic after all. Crowley decided to walk, and fast, before he did something foolish. You'll be out of town the next few weeks then, yes? said Aziraphale, following a few paces behind, voice uneven. Yep, back just after the new year. I actually, um, while you stepped out, I looked up that service you mentioned, Signal. I'd be amenable to staying in touch that way, if you'd like. Yes, I'd like, thought Crowley, trying not to imagine how it would feel to turn and hug the man as hard as he could just now. He wasn't much for hugs, but that overcoat looked so soft. Good for burying a face in and hiding from everything. He wanted to be squeezed, trapped, compressed to ease all this stinging frustration. Wasn't that a thought? Crowley hunched his shoulders against it. Whatever you want. Sure, fine. He stopped at the elevator. This is me. Gotta go grab my coat. I'll uh, see you next year, I guess. Aziraphale looked flustered. He stepped in, stepped back again, reached out a hand to shake. He wasn't sure how to say goodbye. Crowley wasn't either. He stared at the offered hand as if he'd never seen the like before. It felt all wrong. He looked left and right. They were alone. Can you keep a secret? he asked. I think so, murmured Aziraphale. Crowley took the outstretched leather-gloved hand and raised it to his lips. He didn't so much kiss as hold it there, 
press, exhale against the moment with eyes closed. He held on for a beat, then another, then squeezed Aziraphale's fingers firmly and let go. Aziraphale stood statue still. Crowley forced himself to back away, beyond reach, and called the elevator, which opened directly with a ping. His escape vehicle had been waiting. He stepped in with a slight wave of his fingers and turned away as the doors shut. Crowley's right hand stretched wide and clenched shut several times over on the rise, chasing a sense memory. An hour later at urgent care, Adam slurped his milkshake grouchily and scuffed his feet on the rug. It was Friday night, so all manner of other gruesome substance-related injuries kept them solidly in the middle of the triage list. Hey, kid, said Crowley. What? Don't do drugs. He pointed subtly as a dazed-looking fret boyish Santa stumbled through the doors with a black eye and torn pants. And no, jeez, slurp. Beezers had a gift for sleeping anywhere they wanted, and they issued a small snore from the chair opposite. Adam chuckled despite himself. Sorry about this, Adam, Crowley grumbled, slumping low in his chair. This is bullshit. Everything's bullshit. The world is bullshit, but don't worry, we won't be here much longer. Don't say that. Everything isn't bullshit. Crowley softened. Good to hear, actually. Which parts aren't? Adam sighed dramatically and looked at the ceiling. We watched Princess Bride tonight, and bees yelled at everyone, and we threw popcorn at Prince Humperdinck. And I finished the Stephen King book about writing, so I can check out another one before we leave. And Pepper got to weld stuff today and sent pictures. Yeah, prove it. Adam pulled out his phone. Crowley leaned over to look idly missing the days when Adam was four, five, six, small enough to just pick up and smell his hair any time he wanted. There was no smell on earth like your kid. What did you do tonight? asked Adam. Me? What makes you think adults do things? We all just vanish when you're not thinking of us. He crossed his arms and hunkered down. Seriously, what did you do? Were you drinking? This was new. Adam hadn't really asked about Friday nights, not since he and Crowley had struck out alone together at age nine. Mm-hmm. I played cards and I decided to have two glasses of wine. It was about the right amount for me to relax. 
Crowley was always specific with Adam about what and how much he drank, and as a rule, he described it as a choice. I decided. And he always shared how he felt about the choice after, even when he was suffering a hangover. Especially then. Who were you playing cards with? You know the Viper Room on our street? I go there sometimes, and there are other folks who also go there Fridays, and we've got used to each other. We play gin rummy, and we talk about things. That was true enough, and really all that needed to be shared for now. Or ever, since nothing more than that could happen. Oh. Adam shook the milkshake, but it stayed empty. He slurped again anyway. Is that the same one we used to play all the time with Mum? Yeah, that and Crazy Eights. Could teach you again sometime if you like. He ignored the offer. We mostly play Egyptian rat screw and scum at Peppers. And speed at Wensleys. Ever play Racing Demon? Think they call it nerds out here. Perhaps Aziraphale had the right idea, keeping a deck on him. No reason Crowley couldn't have one on hand for nights like these. Phone games were fine and all, but cards were special. Don't think so. Adam stuck his legs out and balanced the heel of his left shoe on top of the toe of his right. Mm. I'm gonna write some more of my story now said Adam. Could you go over there, please? Crowley gasped and clutched his chest in mock indignation, but he shifted obediently to Beezer's side. The truth was, it felt like a punch in the gut. All the more so because it was delivered so casually. No offense, uncle, I'm just busy here. The growing up kept happening, not steadily, but in little increments marked by a thousand natural shocks like this one. Beezus snorted, and Crowley leaned over to make an exaggerated study of their face. Don't sharpie bees, Adam said flatly as he typed on his phone. Oh, you never let me have any fun, whined Crowley. He wished he'd brought a book, because all he could do now was look at CNN or his phone, and CNN was appalling, and the phone was only good for wishing he could text Aziraphale. Which was a spectacularly bad idea at the moment. He flexed his right hand semi-consciously, rubbed his fingertips together. He wrote to Lil instead. Today, 047. Missed you at the pub tonight. Next time, I'll deal you in. B sounds like a marmot snoring. Let's sharpie them. Bring googly eyes. Adam is apparently unimpressed by booze and drugs, so mission accomplished there. Could go a few more weeks without an all-nighter to be H. Getting way too old for this shit. Leaving behind the cutest man in Massachusetts for a while. Not enough smiles tonight. Too serious. More next time. I eat only smiles now. Today, 
058. You coming to Cali with us? Window or aisle? Good smoggy sunsets out there. Save me one. See. Crowley dropped the phone and watched Adam typing. The kid had a good goose egg tonight, but that was nothing new. Concussions were the most immediate hazard of Adam's brand of narcolepsy. His boss had gotten good at catching him by now. They used some sixth sense to create an instinctive swarm, always ensuring somebody was within lunging reach to break his falls. They walked him between classes and their various hangouts by unspoken agreement. They moved the way a great flock of birds wheels in the air, pivoting around him as one for safety. It was a marvel to watch in the wild. On Adam's twelfth birthday, they choreographed and sang an off-key rendition of Lean on Me to him with mouths full of arcade pizza. Brian had fallen over laughing and nearly got a concussion himself. Crowley had that video saved for rainy days. Adam used to text Lil a lot. Did he still? Crowley often wondered. He kept paying for the line just to make sure that nobody else could have her number, that their messages would always have somewhere to go.